Welcome to the Memphis Church in Ireland podcast. We are a community of people who are committed to living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world. We hope you find this podcast encouraging and inspiring, helping you to do the same. In this podcast, we are honoured to be joined by Graham Philpott, who will lead us in our conference Bible study today. Graham is the director of the Church Land Program in South Africa, a partner organisation of the Methodist Church in Ireland through World Development and Relief. Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to our second Bible study today, the start of the second day of conference. I hope the first day went well and there's an opportunity to really engage with others and discern God in the midst of the conversations. For our reflection on scripture this morning, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark. Um, and in the Gospel of Mark, there are in fact two occasions at which the, the rulers of the day, the, the representatives or functionaries of empire at that time, they respond directly to the actions of Jesus with plans and alliances to plot Jesus' death. And I wonder, what was it about those actions that so provoked the leaders of the day to seek his death? And perhaps those two actions can provide us with some understanding about the, the depth and the significance of the actions and the call of Jesus as well as provide us with resources for ourselves as we engage with the mission of Jesus to bring life and life in all its fullness. The first of these occasions in Mark's Gospel is in Mark chapter 3, and that's what we're going to focus on today. The second occasion, which we'll read tomorrow, is in Mark chapter 11. So from Mark chapter 3, we read from the Gospel from verses 1 to 6. And it reads like this. On another occasion, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal the man on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up! In front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. What a remarkable account of the healing of the man with the shriveled hand that provokes a plot to kill. Mark in the Gospel places us in a very specific place in this reading, in 
the synagogue. And it's at a very specific time on the Sabbath. And he describes this remarkable healing. One writer describes this as, in fact, the, the turning point of Jesus' public ministry as he confronts some of the key elements of the Jewish symbolic world of the time. So let's have a look at some of these elements. Firstly, there is the synagogue. This was the place of gathering, the cultic center of the, the Jewish world, with regular rituals and practices, but also where every person was assigned to a certain place. Men knew where they were meant to be. Women knew their place. Those with disabilities knew their place. Those tainted with sin and some impurity knew their place. And it seemed that one's positioning in the synagogue at this collective gathering reflected the divisions and hierarchy of, of society. And these divisions gave blessing to the valuing of some over others, men over women. It was, gave blessing to the act of marginalization and exclusion of many. And so the tragedy is that the, the place of gathering, of coming together, had in effect become the place of division, the place of hierarchy, the place of silence, the place of denying others' humanity. So that's the first element, the synagogue. The second element that Mark introduces is that of the Sabbath. As we know, a day which was intended as a, a time of renewal, of, of restoration, as a resource for humanity in their journey in the way of God. But this too had been claimed and distorted to become an institution that served the the laws and systems that benefited the powerful, that benefited the elite, the wealthy, and in fact imposed onerous economic burdens on the poor, the Sabbath. The third element that Mark introduces in this account is that of the, the Pharisees, those who were regarded as the custodians of this system, ensuring that the laws or the practices of purity were enforced religiously, and making sure that everyone knew their place and kept their place. In the midst of these three elements, the synagogue, the Sabbath and the Pharisees, Mark introduces the man with a shriveled hand, a man who most certainly knew his place. Week by week, he would attend the synagogue, and week by week, he knew he was on the periphery, on the edge, not welcomed. He was regarded as unclean, tainted by sin somewhere. In fact, was a danger to us all in our sense of holiness. And he was assigned to the margins, to the periphery, both of the synagogue and of broader society. He has been assigned to a life of death before he has died. I turned to a poet uh, 
lovely Nigerian poet, Ben Okri, um, who talks about reality as a battle of contending dreams, that we live inside the dreams of others. We might even be imprisoned in them. What a rich way to describe this, this man's reality, the man with the shriveled hand. He's imprisoned within the dreams, in fact, the nightmare of the system that saw him as the problem, that saw him as the deviant, as the dangerous one. And it's into this toxic mix that Jesus acts, confronts, he heals, and he clarifies choices before us. Alan Story, a Methodist minister in the church in Cape Town, suggests that uh, all the healings that Jesus enacts, all the acts of restoration, the bringing of life, they all begin with a moment of seeing. A moment of seeing. And so it is on this occasion. In this nightmarish reality, Jesus sees the man with a shriveled hand. He sees and engages the one who is suffering, whose life has been stripped away. The one who knows that the presence and accompaniment of death only too well. Jesus sees this man. To be fair, the, the Pharisees are also acutely aware that this man was in their space. But Mark uses interesting words to describe their scene. He describes their scene as looking and watching. The phrase Mark uses, they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus and watching for the transgression, for the stepping out of order. It just seems to me as the, the powerful and beneficiaries of any system would they're looking out for that system. They're watching to see that the, the boundaries are kept. And when the line is crossed, when life overflows and erupts and crosses the borders, the plotting of death begins. And Jesus, well, Jesus sees the man and engages him. And in that engagement, he centers the one who is suffering. He brings him from the periphery, from the edge, from the margins, to the center of the attention. And he says, stand up in front of all of us. And even in just the scene and this welcoming, Jesus has already broken the law of this space, of who belongs where. He's invited the, the absent to be present. So that those who should not be seen or in fact seen, not just watched. And it's in this act of seeing the one that is made to suffer that amazingly we are also enabled to see ourselves, to see who we are in relation to the suffering, to see how we benefit from that system of suffering and to see how that's the system imposes and sanctions and requires the very suffering of the many. Chid Myers, in his 
commentary on the Gospel of Mark proposes that for us as for those of us who are followers of Jesus, one of our tasks is to elaborate that which is culturally invisible. Can I say his phrase again? To elaborate, to make known that which is culturally invisible. Our task is to, to make visible the invisible values, the norms, the forces, the structures that shape our interactions, our hopes, our fears, our dreams, our world. Somehow that invisible has blinded us so that we're no longer able to see. And as the Pharisees, we're just left watching and looking. Watching for that which is out of order, has crossed the line and threatens our power and our privilege. I'm struck how this, the theme of this conference resonates with this particular scene of Jesus in that toxic, toxic context. As conference in 2021, we're gathered around the call of people first under God. As those who follow the new way of Jesus, we do not gather watching for the transgression or just looking out for the institution. But our intention is to see the depth of our humanity and engage the reality of suffering in our world as we continue to walk in the presence of God, the God of life, of compassion, of justice. It seems to me conference is provoking us to elaborate that which is culturally invisible in our own world, in our specific context and time. To see those who've been made to suffer and to see ourselves and the systems that enact a living death. To see people first under God. I'm reminded of various movements of our own time over the past few years that have in fact made explicit the invisible. I'm reminded that uh, over the past year we have heard we can't breathe, that the ongoing white racism of our world is stifling the very life of black people, denying dignity, such that the very obvious truth now needs to be asserted, that black lives matter. I recall also the, the Me Too movement, which has made visible the pervasiveness of patriarchy and the accepted abuse of women for generations. I recall over the past few years a young teenager proclaiming to an indifferent world that our house is on fire and how Greta Thunberg has provoked a movement focusing our eyes on that which we've not seen, on climate justice on extinctions. I'm reminded of our own language, our own words that mask and hide and destroy. Words such as refugees, foreigners, 
aliens, the unemployed. And we don't make the space and the time to see people first under God. I recall also the violence with which these movements have been confronted over these past years, a violence that just seems so at home in a world of power and domination and control, a world that has made their choice about what is lawful, to save life or to kill. Well, back to Mark's Gospel. Jesus' placing of the suffering one, of the marginalised, at the centre of this gathering has disrupted the order of the day. And in fact provokes a question from Jesus, a question that harks back to the very heart of the Hebrew faith. And Jesus asks, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Surely it's a question Jesus should never have had to ask. What kind of choice is this, to do good or to do evil? But that question, the disruption of the order of the day, has opened the opportunity for a choice for life, for doing good, for restoring community and for redemption, for freedom. And yet it's also true that the disruption, the, the centering of those who are suffering, has also revealed the truth about the powers that be. That they do not find it possible to choose life. They cannot even find the words to respond. And they maintain their silence in the face of such anguish and the possibility of healing. And Jesus, well, Jesus in his anger, his anger at this choice for death and the continued distortion of the, the jubilee of the Sabbath, he continues to engage this man, the man with a withered hand. He invites him to stretch out his hand. Stretch out and do what seems impossible. Stretch out who you really are. This is a place for you to belong, a place for you to be welcomed and experience restoration, restoration of your hand, yes, but of your soul, of your shame, of to know life. Be present, stretch it out, make yourself known. Again, in the, in the poet's language of Ben Okri, he describes such an opportunity as a, a space to redream one's place in the world. It's a beautiful act of imagination and a sustained act of self-becoming, which is to say that in some way or another, we breach and confound the accepted frontiers of things. Ben Okri's phrase, we breach and confound. And that breaching and confounding the frontiers offers all of us, not just that man, all of us, a moment of redemption, of freedom, an opportunity to choose life and enact healing and redemption in the very presence of systems of death, systems that remain silent 
in the face of those invisible and visible forces of death. So yes, Mark chapter 3, an account of the healing of the man with the withered hand, of how Jesus has restored him to community, restored his place in our lives. But it's not just this man's healing. Jesus has also recast the specific place of the synagogue, recast the specific time of the Sabbath, and challenged the Jewish world of that time to reimagine what it means to be in this place. The place of gathering that now becomes not a place of exclusion, but a place of welcome and belonging, a place of seeing and hearing and expressing the gift of our humanity. And a time for us right now, not of further burdens and laws upon the poor, but a time of loving acceptance, of restoration, of provoking life when surrounded by death and the threats of death. What a profound invitation to us even now in the midst of conference to reimagine, reimagine our space in our time. So such that the presence of God, the life of God is offered as a choice that has no answer. That we welcome, we belong, all those who respond to the love of God in our midst. Amen. A huge thank you to Graham for taking the time to prepare and lead us in our conference Bible study. To find out more about the inspiring work of the Church Land Programme in South Africa, we'd encourage you to visit their website, churchland.org.za. You've been listening to the podcast of the Methodist Church in Ireland. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. We hope it has encouraged and inspired you to live wholeheartedly as a follower of Jesus for the transformation of the world. If you haven't done so already, why not consider subscribing to the podcast in order to receive notifications for new episodes? If you'd like to find out more about the Methodist Church in Ireland, please visit our website, irishmethodist.org, or connect with us via our various social media channels by searching for Irish Methodist. Hope you can join us next time on the Methodist Church in Ireland podcast.